0: Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Eve Simmons. I'm a health journalist who spends her life asking tough questions to experts who really know their stuff, so you don't have to. This week, I'm joined by newspaper columnist and practising GP, Dr Ellie Cannon, to discuss a topic that never fails to spark debate, antidepressants. Hello, Ellie. Hello, Eve. Hello, Eve. If you'd like to get involved in the debate, please do contact us on Twitter by searching Medical Minefield. Millions of people take antidepressants every day in the UK to combat mental health problems like anxiety and depression, amongst other things. Unsurprisingly, they've been especially popular since Covid struck. About six million people were taking them between September and January this year. And that's 23 percent more compared to the same period in 2015. But in the last few years, there's been growing warnings um, among scientists of the potential harms of the pills, specifically the withdrawal symptoms that many say that they experience when they start to come off them. Most recently, a study showed that half of people who were taking antidepressants relapsed within a few months of coming off them, which has cast doubt on whether they actually work long term anyway. Other studies have showed that up to 40% of patients suffer really horrible side effects such as insomnia, counterintuitively severe anxiety, and even suicidal thoughts. So there's been a huge drive among health chiefs to stop GPs just kind of handing them out very frequently. And offer other remedies such as exercise programs or cognitive behavioral therapy which we know also are very effective against depression and anxiety and, and other mental health problems The situation has created somewhat of a split. You've got doctors and patients on one side saying that GPs need to stop handing out antidepressants and that they don't work and they're they're doing more harm than good. And on the other side, you've got some doctors and patients who are saying, no, we need to carry on giving them because they can be effective and actually the benefits in the majority of cases outweighs the risks. Now, Ellie, you found yourself in the eye of this storm last week, didn't you? When you made a brave confession live on TV. Can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Yes, of course. So um, I was talking on uh, this morning about the use of antidepressants um, following a study published in the New England Journal of Medicine that said actually people who take antidepressants are better off being on them long term rather than stopping and starting and stopping and starting. So we were talking about that on the TV programme and I felt it was important to mention that I myself currently do take antidepressants actually for anxiety because I find them very effective and it's not the first time I've taken them find them very helpful and what I didn't realize was there is a large very vocal lobby of people who are very anti antidepressants Um, so people who believe that they um, should not be prescribed, who believe they are dangerous I was threatened a couple of times with being referred to the GMC for mentioning that they can be very useful in my experience so yeah it was all all quite Mm. surprising really.
0: Mm. And well they say that that it's they're dangerous because of these withdrawal symptoms and the side effects and that kind of thing is that what they're referring to by by harmful?
1: Yeah so they I uh, think the particular concern is about withdrawal and side effects and obviously with all medications there are side effects even if you take a simple paracetamol and in my experience of looking after patients for 15 years many of whom are on antidepressants of course it's all about balancing the side effects and the benefits. And a lot of patients are unable to function without medications, including antidepressants. So one weighs up the side effects. and There are concerns about withdrawing from antidepressants, and that is recognized by the medical establishment. But that doesn't mean that the medication is not useful. And it doesn't mean that sometimes the benefits weigh up against those risks.
0: And the benefits you talk about, are you able to articulate at all what it is that you find beneficial about the pills? What do they do
1: for you? Well, personally, for me, I take antidepressants for anxiety. And personally, for me, I find them very effective for the physical symptoms of anxiety, the nausea, the heart racing, um, the feeling of panic, the very sort of visceral and physical sensations that I experience for anxiety. And in my own personal experience, I find Taking an SSRI, which is a type of antidepressant, I find it very effective at reducing those symptoms of anxiety.
0: And um, what about you must have seen also the withdrawal symptoms or the, the kind of really troubling side effects that some patients describe? Is that something that you've had experience of, maybe even yourself, that you're aware of?
1: Yes, it's, you know, and that's really important to talk about. And I'm very happy or comfortable to admit that there are patients who we prescribe SSRIs for and they're just not suitable. People may not like the side effects, from simple side effects like being constipated to more dramatic side effects like effects on sexual function, um, effects on being feeling too numb, memory changes. There are people who do not find them helpful. There are people who don't find that it helps their mood. So certainly doctors are very aware of that. I think sertraline, which is the most commonly prescribed antidepressant in the UK, we believe, you know, it doesn't work in everybody and that's why we always say we'll try it and we'll see if it helps you. But I'm certainly very aware of the fact that in a way I'm lucky that I find them effective because I definitely have patients who have not found them effective or who
0: have found the side effects too much to tolerate. Do you think that we have a problem with GPs prescribing antidepressants too readily?
1: I think that's a difficult one. We probably prescribe them, offer them more than we need to, because access to therapy is not as easy as it should be. And I have to say that's the case privately as well as on the NHS, in fact, because there aren't enough therapists in the UK. So maybe we do offer them more than we should. But There's also a big aspect of that which is patient choice and a lot of patients actually want to try a tablet just like they often want to try a tablet for high cholesterol or high blood pressure when in fact we say exercise could also help this.
0: And do you think you've mentioned this lobby who are, you know, really, you know, they vehemently believe that antidepressants are very, very harmful and should not be prescribed at all. Do you think that in that camp, the the kind of risks of, of antidepressants have been overblown slightly?
1: Well, I think whenever you have a single focus lobby group, you're always in danger of Um, sort of overplaying the risks and overplaying the um, the problems in that area whether it's people talking about antidepressants or some of the other single issue groups and you learn as a gp that nothing is black and white so you can't just say antidepressants shouldn't be prescribed end of story that would be like me saying well paracetamol shouldn't be prescribed end of story because i actually did see patients when I was younger in hospital who overdosed on paracetamol. So life isn't sort of like that and it certainly isn't like that in medicine. Um, There are people who benefit from medications and there are people who don't. And there also are people, unfortunately, who suffer ill health as a result of taking medication. They are few and far between and it certainly doesn't mean that we should take away the option of medication for the huge number of people that would benefit. Mm.
0: That seems to make sense. Thanks, Ellie. I'm going to keep you on the line while um, we speak to somebody else who has a different view and thinks that actually we are prescribing antidepressants way too often and um, is is a big kind of advocate of patients who have suffered or say that they have suffered uh, terrible harms after taking them. Dr John Reid, Professor of Clinical Psychology at the University of East London and Chair of the International Institute of Psychiatric Drug Withdrawal, joins us now. Dr Reid, do you think doctors should be limited in the amount of antidepressants they can prescribe?
2: Well, I, I think that if if they were to take a, an evidence-based approach, based on the most recent research, there's been a big burst of research that's changed things in the last two or three years, if they took an evidence-based approach they would be prescribing a lot less than when we're prescribing at the the moment. Let's, let's just get this into perspective. We currently have one in five adults in England being prescribed antidepressants every year. Um, and it's higher rates for certain groups that so women, for instance, almost double the rate. So that means women roughly one in three, one in four are on antidepressants and older people, higher rates and people in deprived areas. So, also on higher rates. So, this is clearly an epidemic of overprescribing. There's no other way to, to describe it.
0: But, what obviously the, the it's only a problem if so many people are on a drug, if the drug has, you know, harmful connotations or, or something is negative about people taking the drug. Is that the case with antidepressants? Yeah. Well, I mean,
2: that's one side of the equation, which we'll come on to. But the, the first part of the equation is do they work? And the best answer to that is for the vast majority of people on them they are no better than placebo. Now, that doesn't mean they don't work. It means that they're, they're making pe- some people feel better because they've done something, they've seen the doctor, they've felt listened to, et cetera, but it isn't actually the chemical component of the drug that's helping them. But that, that wouldn't matter so much. Placebo isn't a, a bad thing, but we, we must be clear that these drugs are not, are not very effective, the actual chemicals involved. Um, but more importantly, the range of adverse effects is a long one, and they're very common. And I've conducted the two largest surveys of antidepressant users. I've just got one up in in front of me, which is our international one, hundreds and hundreds of people from 30 countries. I'll, I'll just read you three or four. Feeling emotionally numb, 66%. Feeling foggy or detached, 65%. Sexual difficulties, which of course can be quite depressing, 61%. Drowsiness, 59%. And and particularly alarming, suicidality, 42% in in drugs that are supposed to be helping people feel better. So this is a long range of very common adverse effects. And I think if people were genuinely told about all of these things, very few people would actually choose to take them if if they were given a full picture of what they're likely to encounter.
0: Hmm. And so what is the alternative? What should doctors be offering patients instead?
2: Well, there's a huge, huge range of alternatives. And I think it varies, obviously, on the level of depression. And We should remind ourselves that um, a large percentage of people are prescribed these drugs with only mild depression. They're not recommended for that by the National Institute of Clinical and Health Excellence. Nice. Um, but they're still given. People are given it if they lose, or they lose a, a loved one. Um, sometimes they're just put immediately on antidepressants for, for grief, which is totally inappropriate. So... Many, many people um, are given them unnecessarily. And for a lot of those people, sometimes just waiting and seeing, observing, seeing how someone is in a couple of weeks, will, will be sufficient. It's a, it's a cliche, of course, but time is a great healer. And sadness and, and feeling somewhat depressed is, is part of life. We don't need to treat ourselves every time we feel sad or, or depressed. But some people uh, are more seriously depressed or the, the sadness lasts a long time. And there's a whole range of alternatives for them. There's various psychological therapies, such as cognitive therapy, which is proven to be very effective and, and, of course, safe, doesn't have any of those adverse effects. There's a growing emphasis and use on social prescribing, and that encompasses a range of things involving getting involved in the community one way or the other, doing something It can actually involve exercise, even. Um, So all of those things that we know tends to make us feel better. But all of these things like uh, loneliness and uh, abusive relationships and unemployment and all all of those things can't really be fixed chemically. They're not medical problems. They're problems of of living and they need uh, appropriate solutions.
0: Do you not think there's an element of, you know, there's all, it's all very well saying all patients should have therapy, but in this current situation, the reality is there's limited access to therapy. And so it may be the most practical solution to just get somebody over that hill if they're really, really struggling.
2: Um, I, don't, I don't think everybody needs psychological therapy. I, I, no, I'm, I'm a psychologist. I don't think everybody needs that. Uh, some people can benefit from it. And you're right, there is a lack of access to that. But I don't think every everybody needs it. I, I I think I also need to acknowledge that GPs often prescribe antidepressants because the alternatives aren't there. But the GPs are under huge pressure, and and they won't yet have caught up with some of this latest research. I don't I don't really blame the GPs. They are under extraordinary pressure at the moment, and some of this research really is quite. Recent around the withdrawal, for instance.
0: I know that when I've looked at this uh, this situation and this topic, one thing that comes up is that it's very difficult to ascertain whether it is the pills that are causing uh, the terrible side effects, or whether it is the underlying mental health problems that patients may be suffering with already. Is there some difficulty with the uh, research in that respect? Do you think?
2: No, it, it, isn't that, it isn't that difficult. A lot of these side effects, such as sexual dysfunction, feeling emotionally numb, foggy and detached, weight gain, all of those things, uh, the nausea, the tremors, those, those are quite clearly adverse effects. And it becomes a little more complicated when you have to distinguish between withdrawal effects and the return of the original problem. So on withdrawal effects, we now know that just over half of people on antidepressants will experience withdrawal effects when they reduce or try to come off. And of those people, a half report those withdrawal effects as severe. And this is really the new piece of information that's come from Public Health England. A very important report came out in 2019 this is, this is news. For a long time, um, GPs were told, and it wasn't their fault, they were told that withdrawal effects from antidepressants were mild and only lasted a week and so forth. Um, we had Royal Colleges saying that, we had NICE saying that, certainly the drug companies saying that, and the drug companies are still saying that. However, the good news is that NICE, uh, uh, the our National Guidelines, and the Royal College of Psychiatrists so have both put out changed guidance last year uh, talking about the severity uh, of withdrawal effects and how people need to come off very, very slowly. And that is slowly filtering down to, to GPs. The next step we need, of course, is for the Public Health England's recommendations to be implemented, because those included a national helpline for literally the hundreds of thousands of people struggling to get off these drugs, and targeted support services embedded within the primary healthcare system for people coming off. Currently there is absolutely nothing for them, which is really, really sad. Hopefully it won't be too long before National Health England implements the um, those recommendations from Public Health England. We're all very hopeful about that.
0: Dr Reid, I'd really like to bring in Ellie because she's still on the line to just address uh-huh. some of the things that you have said if that's okay. Um, Excellent. Ellie, firstly, I'm interested in what you think about Dr. Reid's claim that for a lot of people, antidepressants don't work.
1: Well, I think, look, it's the difference between somebody who's in um, sort of NHS medical practice and somebody who isn't. And obviously, I'm a doctor treating patients day in, day out, as well as keeping up with research, um, compared to somebody who isn't. Um, So here's an example. I'm going to read out a list of side effects from a medication from the British National Formulary. Common side effects for use of this drug, which would probably put anybody off. Common or very common, abdominal pain, dizziness, drowsiness, flushing, headache, nausea, palpitations, swelling, skin reactions, fast heart rate, vomiting, depression, erectile dysfunction, muscle aches and pain, numbness and fainting. Now, they're the most common side effects for something called amlodipine. Now, that is a high blood pressure tablet that we prescribe day in and day out in general practice in order to control people's high blood pressure and in order to prevent them having a heart attack and stroke. If you document and read out and publicize, which you should, the side effects of medications, which we absolutely should, because our patients should be informed, any drug is not going to stand up to that scrutiny when you just look at the side effects. So yes, you can read out the side effects of antidepressants and yes, I have patients that suffer those side effects and yes, I'm a patient myself and I've also suffered some of those side effects. But you cannot describe not using a medication on the basis of the side effects, because the side effects of all medications are enormous and wide ranging. And when used in lists like that, are of course going to come out with a very biased view. People wouldn't have a COVID vaccination if we only spoke about the side effects without balancing out the benefits. I have patients who sit in front of me who are refugees from Syria, who have been traumatised, who have been victims of torture in Iraq, people who are not given antidepressants because they're a bit sad and they should be exercising or they're bereaved. I've never prescribed antidepressants for somebody undergoing grief. People who benefit not from the placebo effect, Um, but who benefit from taking the medication and then We can look at very, very recent data, which GPs do keep up with, particularly Cambridge-educated GPs like myself. New England Journal of Medicine, September 2021. I don't think we could get more recent than that. Discussing how the maintenance of antidepressants in primary care is more important to prevent relapse in patients with depression, than actually stopping and starting. So I think if somebody focuses just on one aspect of a treatment, and John is right, antidepressants do cause withdrawal. I have experienced that myself. They also do cause side effects, but that does not mean that they do not have beneficial effects. John, Reid, what do you think of that?
2: Well, the problem, Ellie, I'm afraid is um, it's nice to hear you acknowledge all those side effects. The problem is in the surveys we've done, which are very large surveys, and you ask people, what were you told about the side effects? Um, most said nothing at all. Some were told about weight gain and one or two other things. Nobody was told about withdrawal effects. And these are large surveys. So. Um, it, but are they large people, surveys of people interrupt? from could Facebook groups? Could you not interrupt? I didn't interrupt you. Thank you. These are um, not people from Facebook groups. No, these are the wide, wide ranging. survey of people on, on the drugs for wide ranging periods of time and they most of them were not told about all of those side effects. So that's point number one. Secondly, I respect the work you do as a doctor, but it's not good enough to say, I'm a doctor, therefore I'm right. The research is what must guide clinical decisions. And that last study you just cited is a wonderful example of of, uh, misinformation because those people that relapsed after coming off uh, antidepressants in that study, the researchers did not take into account the A lot of those relapses were not relapses, they were withdrawal effects. They made no attempt, as usual, to take into effect the withdrawal effects that you have when you come off these drugs, which can look like relapse to people who don't understand withdrawal effects. So that study is a particularly good example of how important withdrawal effects are. And as for people um, who have been tortured and so forth. I I think um, an informed practitioner would know that people who have been through torture need proper Trauma-related therapy, not a, a chemical fix to the feelings that they're they're having, that can't solve um, the trauma from war situations or or torture. With chemicals it's just it's just can, inappropriate can, and naive
0: can I just come in here and, and ask um maybe to you dr Reed obviously you know we're, we're talking a lot about uh, antidepressants used for depression or for low mood related to perhaps traumatic experiences but but antidepressants are also used for lots of other things including um eating disorders for instance um, obsessive-compulsive disorder and even in more recent years I know that they've been trialed as a treatment for irritable bowel syndrome so are we talking about kind of uh, you know, is one use for them better than another?
2: Well, I think that this off-label prescribing, is, which is what you're describing, is where, where doctors um, prescribe a, a, a pill for things where there's been very little research and they have not been licensed for those sorts of um, disorders and problems is is another major problem we have in this epidemic of over-prescribing of psychiatric drugs.
0: Can I, can I ask what Ellie, Ellie, what do you think about that?
1: Well, I mean, again, I suppose that's the difference between somebody in clinical practice and not. So, in fact, the use of um, the use of antidepressants for OCD, for obsessive compulsive disorder, is not off label. That is actually indicated in the British National Formulary, and there are actually dosage um, advice for OCD and anxiety specifically. Um, so that is not off label at all. If one looks at the NICE guidance for irritable bowel syndrome, so you have you have quoted NICE yourself, and if we look at the management of irritable bowel syndrome as per nice, um, then it talks about psychological management, including the use of antidepressant drugs. If symptoms of abdominal pain persist, NICE recommends that you consider a trial of antidepressant, including which ones to use. So these are not off-label. This is recommended by national guidance. And
2: we're really pleased that the national guidance for depression is currently under review um, because there's a lot of problems with it, like the ones you've just identified. I mean antidepressants cannot be a solution to everything can they one in five do you think it's okay that one in five people and one in three women are now prescribed antidepressants every year do you think that's an appropriate level of prescribing
1: if they need it yes do you think it's okay do you think it's okay that one in four people in the country are prescribed a statin or high blood pressure medication
2: that's not my area so I'm not going to comment
1: but it's uh, but fine th- to stigmatise people who need mental health drugs.
0: No, but, oh. OK, I'm just going to come in here because I think we need to break things up slightly. Um, but I'll, I'll let you, uh, uh, Dr Reid, have the last last word on that. Do you have anything to say to, to Ellie's comments?
2: Yes, Ellie, I, I think accusing anyone of stigmatising people with mental health problems is a very serious allegation. stigmatisation is a real issue in people's lives. It really shouldn't be banded about inappropriately to try and discredit people you disagree with. I can assure you that none of us working with the all-party parliamentary group for prescribed drug dependence are stigmatizing anyone. What we are doing is ensuring that the public has the research-based information on which to base their decisions. And very quickly, in terms of whether antidepressants are being over-prescribed, I must just mention the research published just this week, commissioned by the all-party parliamentary group, showing that Unnecessary overprescribing of painkillers and psychiatric drugs, including antidepressants, is currently costing the NHS more than half a billion pounds every year.
0: Well, that's certainly food for thought. Thanks very much, Dr. John Reid, for joining us. Hi. Sorry to interrupt your listening, but there's another great podcast from the Mail on Sunday you might want to try. Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, offering a weekly look into the life of Britain's most unfiltered columnist. That's me. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. Well, so that was uh, considerably more fiery than I anticipated. Ellie, what did you think of... Well, I know you made your uh, thoughts quite clear, but was there um, anything that John said that you thought was was actually valuable? Well... I think, um, beneath the heat, we both agree on the
1: fact that medications have side effects, medications have withdrawal symptoms, and not everybody needs those medications. I think we agree on those three absolutely fundamental points. Where we strongly disagree is those three facts can really be applied to lots of different medications they can be applied to treatments they can be applied to surgery or operations but it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be a group of people who would benefit so he's absolutely right people shouldn't be prescribed an antidepressant for grief But that doesn't mean that some people won't need to be prescribed an antidepressant for their anxiety and benefit from it and this is the problem when you get single issue um, lobby groups and single issue medicine and health um, groups is that you know you can't see the wider context and as a gp i see that wider context if i see patients in front of me who benefit from taking a medication, and I'm not talking about after five minutes. A lot of the patients I look after, I've looked after for more than 12 years. If they are benefiting, if they are not having the side effects, if they are living their life as a result of that medication that is deemed safe by drug regulatory bodies in this country, why would I not continue to prescribe
0: that? Mm. But you can't deny that some of the data that he's found from his surveys is concerning that you know um great numbers of, of people are are suffering these really mm. terrible side effects or say that they I are.
1: agree i agree and i think there's i think there's absolutely we must we have to talk about the side effects we have to talk about um the possibilities of feeling worse on antidepressants not better um and we have to talk about that and it's incredibly important for patients to make what's called informed consent but again, we have to talk about that in the context of all medications, which is why I read out the list of side effects for blood pressure tablets, because if we are going to campaign about the side effects of antidepressants, then please let's campaign about the side effects of other drugs as well. Um, I think you know that's, that's very, very important that we talk about that. But also, I do worry about this idea that particularly targeting mental illness medications which feeds into sort of old tropes about whether or not people really do need them or are they actually um band-aids sort of for lifestyle issues or this that and the other but you can just take a
0: run go for a run and and go for a run can't you
1: just watch a box set i've heard people say um can't you talk to somebody pull yourself together that kind of thing There are people in my practice around the country, around the world, who take these medications not so they can enjoy life, but so they can live their life. And that really has to be recognised. And I am worried about the fact that we wouldn't be having this conversation about blood pressure tablets or diabetes drugs, but we're having it because it's about mental illness medications where there is an underlying school of thought that actually maybe they're just not necessary.
0: Hmm. Well, this is certainly a debate that will um, continue on for years to come, I'm sure. Dr. Ellie Cannon, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. You'll find all the latest health news in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday and visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. You can follow us on Twitter by searching at MailPlus. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then.